cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless soul, with Aaron and Rogue it woe. It's a hopeless soul, with Aaron and Rogue it woe. Here we are, episode number 30. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Three zero. Wow. Dude, it's... People thought we wouldn't even live, make it to 30. Yet here we are with episode 30. Yeah, it's... We defy all odds. We defy everyone's expectations of who we are, what we do, what we stand for, which I think leads into what our theme is going to be today. Yeah, today our theme is, is this the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? And so what does that yeah, mean to you, Aaron? Yeah, to, to me that means is the apocalypse upon us or is it just going to be a pop and shot slot? That was like the worst pun possible, but you get what I mean. Like, are we gonna be are we gonna be popping bottles, or are we gonna be apocal- apocalypsing? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Are, are we are we popping bottles, or are we? Um, uh, is the bubble of humanity going to burst? Um, there we go. That was better than anything I came up with. So thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you think about it, it, it's it's you know I was I, was, I saw some meme recently um, that was like twenty twenty is either going to be the worst year of our life um, of our lifetime or the beginning of the worst decade of our lifetime. And <laughs> so it's like, I was like, Oh my God. And then looking down our, our list of topics for today's episode, we have a lot of uh, topics that are either dealing with finality or possibly the start of something new. Um, and it's, it is, it is quite, it's quite an episode. Um, and, you know, I think of something with that, you know, growing up, we'd hear maybe grandparents would talk about it. The roaring 20s. We're in the 20s again. So it's another 20s. And so far, the 20s have definitely roared. But it hasn't been a very kind war roar. I mean, besides Tar coming out and our fun adventure thriller coming out and now it's on streaming and you can watch it while our world goes down in flames. You can stream it on all the different uh, streamers now. So besides that roar from our tar, the movie uh, it's not really roaring. It's more just like attacking us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been quite vicious and you know what I got to say though, not all the roars of the year 2020 have been bad. For example, one yes. roar that you could hear not only from the 11,000 fans in attendance in Arlington, Texas, but the roar of all the fireworks and the cars honking and doing burnouts through the night. And Aaron, why don't you tell us what that roaring was about? The Dodgers won the World Series. Yeah, roar. It went nuts. Like, I can only imagine what would happen or what will happen, hopefully, if the Dodgers do it again soon, because this was during a pandemic. And we thought the like when the Lakers won and some people like hung out at Staples Center, we thought, oh, that was something this like 
This was nuts. The Dodgers won the World Series. It was so exciting. I actually did pop a bottle. I went in the parking lot of where I was and just had a bottle of champagne and I popped it and celebrated. So that was cool. But yeah, the city, like, it was just fireworks all night and lots of people being kind of irresponsible and car things going, people starting fires. No, I don't think any of that is really smart it's pretty stupid but it was it was just like mini chaos also i saw cops in riot gear again on the streets like people i think overall the city did about as well as could be expected it was still pretty insane and man for me it just felt incredible like i've never felt this like to feel this happen was just really a special thing uh, what it what was your reaction to the to the city of LA to how it all went down to uh I mean I know you celebrated too as a oh yeah National League fan of the Dodgers yeah um I mean here's the thing yeah I, you know have, being a fan of a team the Baltimore Orioles that will never win a World Series in my lifetime um except when I was two years old um I, I, I will never know what it's like to have that sort of World Series championship feel. So it's wonderful that like a team I've adopted as my National League team since moving to Los Angeles, you know, eight years or seven years ago. Um, you know, it, it was amazing to see them win that World Series. First, I was super scared that, you know, they'd lose their third World Series in four years, which is almost Buffalo Bills-esque. Um, and it almost what happened. Yeah. And, and honestly, the team that they beat, the Tampa Bay Rays, I would venture to say of any American league team that's not the Orioles, they're the team I have the soft of uh, soft spots for. And I was like, Oh, like who hates the Rays? And you know, it's like, it's um, so I, 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 you felt that this is probably their only chance that we're going to see like for a long time from them. Um, but I was happy that uh, for a few reasons, one to see LA go up in fireworks um, just, and they were going off for a while. That was amazing. Just uh, the view from my yard was, was so awesome. Um, secondly, um, my prediction that we made in the beginning of the summer, uh, I predicted that the Dodgers would beat the, the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series before the season started. You and did? Oh, my yeah. gosh, because I said twins. Yeah, you, said you said Rays. Yeah. You did it. You predicted the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I wish I put money on it. That would have been kind of great. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You totally did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. That's incredible. I forgot. Um, so that felt good. But also mostly it's like, bro, like, like people like you, I got to see my friends like hit that glory. That is probably the most magical thing. And you're going to be on a high for a long time. Um, or at least so, for a couple of days. Man. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, at least for another four days. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I actually even did something kind of crazy is I ended up because I was just so happy. I ended up walking around like, for a while, just the city where I, around where I live, up the Sunset Boulevard and stuff, you know, socially distanced, mask on, the whole Dodger mask on, just taking it all in and seeing people celebrating. And it was cool. Like, everyone was being safe around me. Like, people weren't doing the crazy spinny things with the cars and the fires and uh, the fighting and the riots, and whatever, all the stuff that went down, people were just happy. And it was cool for a moment to see everyone really happy. Because in L.A., you know, there's there's one there's one baseball team. And it's really the team that really defines this city, I think, across all types of people the most. Um, 
in terms of what this team has meant for this city for so long, for so, so long. And uh, I just, I, I felt that in the air, that what it meant to win after so long of not winning. And and that's why, and what's crazy too is, is we're, tomorrow's the election. So like, let's see what's happening. Like with COVID, everything's going up. In Europe, they're locking down. That's news from the quarantine too, is that they're locking down in Europe, right? They're in different states, especially a lot of the, as they call it, the which I hate. I wish we could go away from this talk eventually, but the red states are really getting hit hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I look forward to the day when it's not red and blue and all this. It's just different states, different people, different whatever. We're yeah. United States. But right now the red states are really getting hit hard, which uh, which is not good. And I, I, I guess leads us into topic one, right? Yeah, and this is uh, you know it's it's I think this is not just relevant to people in L.A. Um, no, uh, your your topic. Why don't you take us into it? Yeah, well, so winter's always a crazy thing, right? You got winter, so it's colder, daylight savings, darker, longer. The more northern you go, it's colder, snow, all this stuff. So winter's always a little different than summer. There's a little less joy. A lot of times I actually like the seasons, but there's a little less joy. And now we have COVID, which is going to spike. It already is spiking. It's going to be bad. Things are going to close down again. It's all the economy is going to shudder because things are going to have to close in many, many places. Outdoor eating, all the outdoor stuff that's going on is going to be done. And so I guess where I'm looking for hope, you know, with all besides all that's going to happen with the election and all that's going to happen with the country. And it's looking like a really, really, really desolate winter on so many levels. And I like the people, like people who live in, let's pick a cold city, um, Mm, Minneapolis, very cold, big city, big giant metropolis, very, very cold. You can't go out. You can't do anything. COVID spiking. You can't even go into restaurants. You can't do anything. That feels really depressing for like six months to be able to do nothing uh, or five months, however long the cold and the gloom and the COVID lasts. So is there hope, Rohit? Is this, you know, the be- the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning or whatever we're talking like that? You know, is it is it the apocalypse or is it the uh, Papa Bottles lip? Yeah, I actually love the winter. And I got to say, the one thing about, you know, living in Los Angeles is I dearly miss my cold winter seasons. Here's why. Um, you know, I'm my, my two favorite holidays are Halloween and Christmas, um, you know, and when you get to dress up, um, you know, like a crazy person um, and have all these fun parties. And the other one is like, you know, you get presents and like there's trees and like everybody's happy and like there's like secret Santas at work and. You know, and even whether you celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever, that late December season is something that it just feels like a wonderful sort of cap to the year. It's like everybody kind of stops just to be together just for a minute. And I think that 
those types of moments I always look forward to. You have Thanksgiving, you have, you know, it, it's about family getting together. And um, I, I think that, yes, it's going to be harder for a lot of families to get together this year. Um, you know, I usually go home every single Thanksgiving back to New Jersey. Um, and that just, you know, both my parents are, you know, they're in their 70s. They're at risk. You know, it, it's it's I don't want to go to an airport necessarily. Um, go see them, But maybe I will. Maybe I'll take a, a less crowded flight uh, on a different day. Whatever it is. I love it. I think also, even though we're in L.A., it is a little bit colder. But just like getting out of the cold. Right. And as you're like you're brisk, you're like, Ooh, and then getting into like opening the door and going to someplace warm. There's nothing more comfortable than that. Then, like, or turn. But we can't do it. But come, what if all the restaurants and stuff, everything's closed, and we can't do any of that? We can go outside to then go back inside. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Sometimes you just have to walk outside <laughs> so you can appreciate the inside. You know, and it's like I love, I love the winter. Also, another bonus is you have less obligation to do things outside, so you can spend more time watching TV, playing video games, and it's okay because it's fucking cold outside. No one's going to give you shit for... All right, I'm going to be devil's advocate again because I, sure. I, I like, I love your positivity today. You are so hopeful today in a day where most people are dreading everything. Um, here's the thing, bro. Like, we've both lived in, in Manhattan before and in New York. In the winter, what's fun, one of the things that's fun, I mean, New York winters are very fun, I think, is you get bundled up, you go outside, you get on the train, you go to somewhere like a bar or restaurant, you un- you take off all your cold clothes, and you party and have fun in the winter and in the holidays. And I've spent, wait, last year... Yeah, I think I was in New York like in December last year um, and did some work, but also just had a blast. So now all my friends and family and stuff in New York are like, we can't do any of that. Everything's going to be closed. You can't go inside anywhere. So you, if you go outside briefly, you get all bundled up to go outside to not be able to go anywhere and not do anything and then go back in for months on end. And... That, if I was living in New York, I would be so bummed. The only hope I can bring to it, to bring back the Roaring Twenties theme, is, uh, as some know, some might not know, the whole uh, Kennedy family got started but in Prohibition when people were, uh, when alcohol was illegal. So they started these speakeasies in places like Manhattan that some still exist and they like rebuilt them and stuff. So and and in all around the country. So maybe some covid friendly speakeasies will start popping up in Manhattan with uh, with rapid testing and all that so they're safe and you can relive the 20s like you're back in the 1920s. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. If they can if they can work that out so you're not like it doesn't turn a speakeasy into a speak wheezy, you know, and your lungs are all <laughs> coughing from from getting covid um I think that would be fun. I mean, I, there's like, that's another reason. Like, you know, every Christmas we're in Europe uh, to see Ina's family. And we're always going out in Vienna. And, so, and we'll sometimes make another stop, whether it's in London, visit friends there or wherever. And just like, that is something that's so valuable to me. And if we don't get that this year, yeah, it's a big, it's a big bummer. Um, but 
I think my big takeaway is if we can't go outside and we can't do things, that just means we don't have to go outside and we don't have to do things. <laughs> so, like, all right. All, I mean, I don't feel a ton of hope, but I'm still going to give you a hope gong because you tried a lot. <laughs> um, and like yeah, that was a, that was an A for effort. And you did bring up something. There's a hope. What's gong. that? You brought up the word wheezy, which is uh, Little Wayne's nickname. Oh, yeah. And uh, which is going to lead us into the mailer game, because I'm uh-huh. going to tell you that Little Wayne, I saw him in concert last summer and he sucked. He was like 30 minutes late. He played for 20 minutes. It was really bad. So he was already kind of on my shit list. And then yesterday, what he was doing with posing for pictures with uh, Trump, I just thought was so out of touch with everything like a few days before the election like no one's doing this with anyone like with either candidate there's no like singers and stuff posing with a candidate like let them let them do their job don't do a photo op like you're representing the african-american the black community i don't know it just it felt so wrong for you know a year ago i don't know right now like do that doing that photo op and saying you're saying you're supporting him is one thing. The photo op was just I don't know. I'm kind of done with Wheezy right now. Yeah, it I just mean, felt really thing. stupid. Between Brett Favre, Lil Wayne, Bobby Jack Orr, Nicholas, uh, Bobby Orr, Jay Cutler, I think you know in the you know from last week and to the you know to the night of the ele- you know night before the election, you know more and more people are going to be coming out of the woodwork um, to express. And there's one thing. But but coming out of the woodwork, which is going into our mailer game, coming out of the woodwork is one thing. Fine. Might not agree with them. You and I don't uh, agree with uh, their stances. Um, I don't think it's hidden that we are going to be voting uh, not the way they're going to be voting. Um, but. All right. Free speech. Free photo op opportunity to all of a sudden just do a photo op and like obviously being used as well for a certain community just seems shameless and wrong. And I don't see like name the zillion African-Americans who are supporting Joe Biden. I don't see him taking a picture next to like, I mean, like Denzel Washington and Joe Biden having a photo op together right now. Like, it's just not the time. Listen to their speeches, listen to their policies, see what they're about, not take a photo op. I just think he was totally wrong. And guess what? To go to the mailer game, guess what the Trump mailer game used as part of like, you know, encouraging the African-American vote? That picture. Oh, boy. Okay. So it just was like, dude, no, 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 no. And (laughs) here's other things that the mailer game used. I'm not even going to let have you guess anymore last week you did a pretty good job of getting fooled which i loved but our mailer game is i get the mailers from both candidates the biden camp the trump camp and this week was all about how they filled the seat they got amy comey barrett barrett yep bearing barrington huffington lovington buffington christianton uh they got her to be in the supreme court um, a lot of her views, I totally don't agree with either. Uh, but they were bragging about that left and right. 
it also made me realize, and maybe it's out on a limb. You tell me what you think with this mailer. They were all pumped about that. Great. They did it. They got someone who has views that I think are like, take us back 75 years into the Supreme Court. Yay. Good for you. I also think, especially with the pro-life people, people who are, a lot of people are pro-life, but against Trump. They really, because of their religion, believe in pro-life, but they don't like the character that is Trump. I think he might lose some votes because of this. Because people are like, all right, we got that seat, but we don't want this guy who goes against all the morals of our religion in the office. So I think it could backfire. And they were bragging like left and right with the mailers I was getting. But it might backfire. What do you think? I I don't know if it'll backfire. It might. I think I agree with you. Like there's there's that chance, definitely. Um but a lot of people, you know, regardless of religion, people that use it as a sort of tool, they're not really in it for the religion. They're in it for the power. They're in it to sort of use their sort of uh, sanctity of, you know, whatever their beliefs are as, as uh, ways to guide and coerce masses of people. So I think that the religious right, um, while many are just, you know, really religious and just, you know, they, they believe in good character and maybe Trump's not the guy. I think that they look at a really misinformed alternative of Democrats like that. That's like, oh, they just want to kill babies and, you know, and they want to you know do this and that and things just horrible things that aren't true. And I think that that stuff sometimes is, is insurmountable. We're more divided than ever. I think it'll take more than a sort of a complete jackass in office for them to switch their vote. But I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah, well, it goes to, I guess, the next part of the mailer game which is I was invited to lots of Trump rallies, Rohit. Yeah. You're I VIP signed up there. for all of them. I just didn't quite make it to any of them. But you better believe I signed up for them because I want to make sure that my voice is heard at these rallies by not being there. And uh, a part of it that, how do I say, made me feel... Glad that I wasn't there, but also bad for the people who go to these. Is one of them in particular? They're all these super spreaders. There's now every time there's a Trump rally, three to four weeks later, there's direct correlation. Like that county or that city has like a seven hundred percent uptick in COVID. And the idea that these are these super spreaders that I'm signing up for and not going to. I'm glad because of that, but I, I feel terrible for these people, including in Omaha, I believe there were like hundreds of people. They didn't, they arranged for people to go, but they didn't arrange buses for people to get out. So they were stranded on a, uh, on a tarmac and a bunch of them had to go to a hospital. So on top of being a super spreader, it's also like a causing hypothermia. So I'm just like, man, I feel for these people as much as I might disagree with some of their stances and stuff, they're going to support their dude and getting sick and getting cold and getting like losing toes and, and getting COVID. It just feels like what in the law. That's a word, right? 
Where are we? Like, what is going on here? Yeah, I think when we get to the debate part, I think that's going to, I think I'm going to be bringing that up because you make an excellent point. All right. So we'll just, the last thing with the Mailer game is that um, President Obama, who has been quiet a lot during this, hasn't been that loud in his voice, has gone off. Like, he, like, it's like, it's like when you wouldn't see, like, what's a, like, The Undertaker would, like, not be in a lot of wrestling for a while. Like, he just wouldn't be in it. Growing up, you know, we'd, like, The Undertaker was the badass, and he'd, like, miss a lot of episodes. And then he'd come back, you'd hear the gong. And then he'd come back and, like, kick everyone's ass. Obama. Like out of the totally- coffin like a mousetrap. Like, whoop. Yeah. Room. And Obama totally undertakered this election. He's like, he was kind of out of the, and he's like, here I am, gong, dun, 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 dun. Obama, I am here to tell you what is up. And he's just gone off on Trump, and it's been pretty crazy to watch. And the mailers have been flying in. Obama says do this. Obama says do that. And it's, I mean, it's just been, it's been really almost as good as watching an Undertaker match. I mean, yeah, the Undertaker is an amazing comparison. Um, yeah, he really <laughs> just, he just like came out of nowhere. You, you heard the Obama music and like, oh, the lights start flickering and yeah. Um, so this is the debate section. We always, we always have debates on the show where Rohit and I debate a subject we disagree, we agree, and we try to kind of see who wins the debate based on the topic. Well, right now it's more about final thoughts of what's going to happen with the election tomorrow and in the, the, the four or five days and so on after the election. So, Rohit, go for it. What do you think? Yeah, So, and I think the winner of this debate will generally be uh, announced either pro- less likely tomorrow during the general election, but more likely in the coming weeks, once all the final votes are tallied and, you know, late votes and all this recounts. But I think this is our debate that has been going on from the beginning. And my final thoughts are, I still think that my prediction about Donald Trump winning re-election, I still think that's the case. Um, And I know we talked earlier about, you know, people coming out of the woodwork to show their support for him. I think, uh, you know, as we go into tomorrow, there is this, there's a momentum that both candidates have. And I think just what it all comes down to for me is that right now you have, uh, you know, the cult following of Donald Trump. He is a cult leader. He has people that worship him like a cult. They literally think he's the holiest, most amazing man ever. And there's people that love him, think he's the best president ever. Both things are not true. Um, but I don't think Joe Biden has a cult. I think the other cult is the anti-Trump cult and those cults. And what's really going to happen is you have red states that are going to go red, like Texas, a lot of the Midwestern states. You have blue states like uh, uh, um, California, New York. And what's happening is that is the states that are the swing states whose cult is stronger in those states in Florida, Ohio, Kentucky, or sorry, no, sorry, Florida, Ohio, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, you know, who's Michigan, who has the stronger cult in those states determines who gets the electoral vote. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I just, from what I'm seeing from the COVID spikes and everything, it seems like some of these swing states with their way they're going, 
seems to have a bigger Trump cult. And that, and that for me, I think, is going to be the deciding factor of this election. That's my final thought. And I think maybe then we just figure out how to deal with it from that point forward. You know, what happens? So, Well, I'll give a slightly different final thought. Um, I hear where you're coming from. Uh, I sadly agree that there is this cult. I think no matter what happens, there's going to be chaos afterwards. I think there's going to be violence. I think there's going to be angry people. I think that there's just going to be a lot of unrest. I really do believe that Joe Biden will win. Um, Partly because to go with the cult, I believe he did not have this momentum for a while. But over the last month or two, and we'll talk a little bit more about Sleepy Joe being awakened, kind of like The Undertaker. Um, Joe has developed, and Kamala Harris, like they've actually, like, but let's talk about the the, the guy who would be president. Joe Biden, the enthusiasm for him has grown insurmountably over the last month or so. I've just seen it from people who were really kind of like, eh. And it's and it's partly to me due to his the good job he's done. Like he gave that Gettysburg speech. He's like really passionate. And when you see hear him talk, he's not like blaming people and yelling about people. He's talking about what he's going to do to get America back on track. And I think a lot of people want to hear good things. They don't want to hear angry and mad and bad and this. They want to hear, here's how we're going to solve problems. And Joe Biden's doing that. And he's doing that with a real authority to his voice. And when it comes to personality versus, uh, policy, which a lot of times is what election comes down to. I mean, the guy who is so much more likable and just so much and has come out as, I think, a strong man feels like a strong guy, strong person. Um, Kamala Harris, strong woman who are like he is so light. His story is just so likable. He feels like a person like who do you want to have a beer with? Donald Trump or Joe Biden, no matter where you are, I think most people would say Joe Biden now. And they might not have said that a uh, a few months ago. But now that you know him, you see him, it's like, this is the guy. Now, if you're right, I know a lot of people are going to be changing their, their life trajectory pretty quick. So I really hope, uh, and you might be looking at one of them. So I really hope... Uh, Hope you're wrong. If you're right, you know, life throws us curveballs. And uh, uh, but I do think there's going to be tons of chaos and Trump is not going to ever say he lost. So he's going to tell his supporters, you want America back? You got to go take America back and like all that crap that he says. So um, I think I think it's really let's wait and see what happens because also I don't think I think it's impossible to totally predict. Yeah, it is. It is. And and you know what? It's like like I said, as spot on as I was about the Rays losing to the Dodgers in the World Series before the season started, I hope I'm as wrong about my presidential prediction as I was 
right about my baseball World Series prediction. Um, and we'll see. Honestly, in the end, it's character versus cult, which comes out on top, which gets more of a, more people to the polls. And that's that's really what it is. And so we shall see. It's, can character overcome what we have now? Um, I, I, uh, I hope so. And I also hope everyone isn't violent and cheers or is sad without taking to the streets with violence. And uh, we can uphold some form of dignity and democracy in our country. And I guess that leads to this big, to- your topic right here. I mean, and look, we're, we're the hopeless show, just to say, we're the hopeless show and we try to bring hope to all things hopeless. We both maybe seem like, I'm psyched about the Dodgers and the movie, our movie Tark that's out now and hope everyone watches it. Really excited about things. It is just a really tough time right now and I understand I'm with you and I think Rohit is with you in in this nerves and fear that, that is going on right now. We've never experienced anything anything like this, from an election like this, to a pandemic like this, to an economy like this, none of it. It's all new. So it's hard to find hope, but let's try it with uh, your topic. Yeah. And this is, and again, this is a show where we don't just talk about topics. We talk about how it makes us feel. We talk about how we can all feel better about something. So this one is is a really tough one. And it's about, uh, you know, a, t- a teacher named Samuel Paty uh, in France. Um, and he was beheaded recently. Um, for um, showing illustrations or caricatures of uh, the Prophet Muhammad. Um, now, you know, I think, uh, you know, according to a lot of the, the, the tweets and, you know, most of the Muslim world, most of the Muslim people are saying, like, listen, this is not something that we endorse. Like, this is a, a murder. This is not right. But right now what we're seeing in France and in terms of it's now turning to France versus Turkey and the UAE and... There is, you know, with Emmanuel Macron, who's, um, you know, currently dealing with more, you know, I think he has a total of uh, 18 deaths at the hands of the Islamic State in France um, in the last two years. Um, There is a lot of tension that is going on in in the country of France and between its Muslim residents there. And it's 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 a it's a place where. You know, I think, um, you know, he's talking about having an awakening for Muslims in France. And, you know, a lot of the Muslim world's like, that's kind of weird. That's not for you to say. And so we're in a place where it's it's these tensions are not tensions aren't just local to the United States. We are having major racial and ethnic tensions that are happening in major, major countries uh, uh, and allies across the world. Um, So. Yeah, I mean, where, how do we, you know, feel like about this? Like, where, where does somebody look to find hope when, you know, no matter where we look, it's looking like things are getting bad everywhere. Well, I mean, what happened to Petit was awful, and the the fact is, before twenty twenty, and for the last four years, it's just gotten worse and worse. So much bad stuff has has happened, and you know, you think of school shootings, you think of different uh, terror attacks, you think of people hating each other because of religion. All this and race. I mean, all this stuff existed before Trump, before these last four years. It's just gotten way worse. 
and then there's a pandemic. So some of the stuff gets hidden because people are stuck at home and people aren't able to travel to different places and stuff, but it still all exists. So my hope for this, because this all does exist, is that as a world, one, first on election day, we get rid of this repugnant person. I think his former chief of staff, John Kelly, said he's the most flawed human he's ever met in his life. That's a quote. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's, that's yeah, amazing. And that's his chief of staff, dude. <laughs> so uh, say he's the most flawed human being ever that he's met. So we get rid of him. We start to become a world leader again instead of a, a, a laughing stock so that we can help guide the world past the pandemic so that we all as a as a globe have overcome something together, which is uh, something that hasn't happened since uh, since 1945 with World War Two. Uh, and then you start to see positivity come back, just like happened after World War Two. And I believe with the Biden presidency and a a lead to an end of the pandemic. We as a world, I hope can see that there are bigger and with like climate change, trying to get that under control. We can start to see that we might be, we're smaller than the sum of all the parts. We're just a tiny part. And so when we start just with violence and all this stuff, we, we, there's actually bigger things at work here that are a lot bigger than trying to go after one person because of his views or one person because of his views. And I hope it gives us as a globe a bigger perspective. Um, now that can only happen with change and change with the pandemic, change with leadership, change with how some people start thinking about things in a different way. And I think getting over this thing as a world, there's no one person who has had a better time at this than another. Everyone's had this bad. The U.S. has had it really bad. Places like Brazil have had it really bad. Places in Europe have done better. Like South Korea has done better. But everyone's gone through this. If you go to any country, you can say COVID and they'll say yes. And everyone will have like a look of, ugh. no matter where you go, we can all be in this together. So not we're not all in this together, that bad phrase. We have all gone through this together. We have all experienced this. Yeah, and you're right. And it's it's like, you know, I think even in the sense of what's happening right now in France, it is purely, it is a geopolitical issue. And in the same way that the United States economy drives the global economy, right now, uh, America's uh, sort of geopolitical stance, which, is, which has been uh, far less interventionist and a bit more sort of uh, enclosed, has sort of sealed it off from its allies. And as it sealed us off from his allies, it's almost like we're starting to see what has uh, resulted in sort of copycat um, uh, approaches by various large countries, whether it is, you know, France, Brazil, wherever. Everybody is is trying to, you know, not only handle this virus, but also handle what is happening on their own home front in terms of just their own domestic policy and so on and so forth. Now, what happens is I think that if the United States can get back to being more of a global ally, we then have a lot more solid solidarity with our sort of you know traditional allies, right? Um, especially coming to a time when right now it's seeming to be like the West, which includes the European West, versus Russia, 
the Middle East and China. And though though that's kind of becoming the new axis. Um, and I think as we get worse and further and further and deeper and deeper into that greater divide, which is probably an inevitable World War Three sometime in the next 15, 20 years, um, I think that what can stave that off is a strong, you know, partnership and a bit of humanity um, with these countries. And I think that, um, you know, what Macron is saying is, is principally in principle, he's fighting for freedom of speech and he's fighting for the preservation of French values. But I think the way he's going about it is a bit cavalier and it's a bit dangerous right now. And I think that, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what tomorrow, how, how that has an impact on the rest of the planet. And let's just, I'll just say this to move into something a little more positive, I think with this same topic, uh, I'm going to hope gong humanity because that's, that's what's going to get us through this. So speaking of humanity, so BTS, our favorite K-pop band ever and our favorite group ever and we just are learning their music now, but we are huge BTS fans. BTS Army, we love this group. And we keep learning more about them. Do you know what they did this week, Rohit? Or just in general? Can I tell you what they did? Because it goes hand in hand with our theme of the day. What they did, and this was in Business Week. So they made it to Business Week. Not about the money they made, like we've talked about before. Not about how much they're worth. But because BTS stands are beating QAnon and MAGA supporters at their own game. In the past few months, K-pop stands have regularly hijacked QAnon and MAGA hashtags. They've led get out the vote efforts against the presidents. And many were among the online pranksters who boasted about helping derail different Trump rallies and QAnon subsets. So I... Personally, it was written about in Business Week, in Bloomberg, in the Wall Street Journal. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, to me, we've been, you know, such huge fans of this group for so long and their army and are being a part of their army. And the idea that they are now like beating all these shitty people at, at their own game, they're these... 14-year-olds and 13-year-olds and 16-year-olds and 20-whatever are actually beating all these people who are trying to, like, destroy the world. I mean, that's hope to me. I love this group. I love these fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite impressive. If I take the internet, and let's just say, like, we turn the internet into a shopping mall. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's you have pretty much these pink-haired teens with K-pop blasting out of their like headphones that are shaped like cat ears that are doing it louder and they're drowning out all the weird graffiti from these other, you know, these other <laughs> parties. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird and wonderful place to be in right now. Um, and, and who would have thought that, you know, just a few years ago that K-pop would literally be a geopolitical force. So, yes. I, I mean, let's hope gong them. Let's just hope let's, gong. Yes, let's hope. Yeah. Um, which will then transition us into another bit of entertainment. And we're talking hopeless TV. Oh yeah, our friend Brad just lost launched a uh, this the sequel to Borat. Um, did you watch it yet? Uh, Aaron? I did. Did you? Yeah, you sure did. So, what do you what do you think? Let's let's go quick on Borat because I think uh, 
I think you know he would he would like he would like that because you know what he would say. Very nice. Very nice. Um, I thought that it was wonderful how they introduced a sort of a new sort of cohort um, in in the in the girl that plays his daughter. Um, and it's it's I was happy to have some of those moments where I was just like turning my face away from the TV, stuffing it into my couch cushions because the cringe was so hard that I was like. I can't, I was like having an out of body experience and that's what I watch Sasha Baron Cohen movies for is just to feel so uncomfortable. I want to leave the room and (laughs) I loved it. He achieved it. Um, and, uh, I thought it was, uh, really well set up. And just the fact that he was able to get people like Giuliani, he was was able to get, you know, like really these, these earnest, authentic sort of regular everyday people, you know, taking part in his like those two brothers and then the babysitter lady like just taking part in his plots and without being a spoiler yeah getting getting Giuliani this has been on the news so not just getting Giuliani but getting Giuliani to almost sleep with Borat's daughter yeah that was that was something yeah that's commitment and and you know what was cool about it for a brief moment I felt you know this is about hopeless TV but I felt hope. I was like, a Borat movie gives me hope. Yeah. I mean, it, first of all, it was more real than most reality TV, even though it was completely a fictional movie set with real people. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it actually like the fact that we even got to see, you know, when they went to the MAGA rally and those two brothers were there. Yeah. Like, you got to, you know, like they weren't horrible, evil people they were just really uneducated and they were like really trying to help this one weird foreign dude. Um, but you're still like, Oh God, it was a reality. It was a, it was a, it was a, like a bucket of cold water. Cause like, Oh my God, this is happening. People are talking about this stuff. People are still getting outdoors and kind of chanting all this weird crap. Um, but yeah, it was, I thought it was, a, it was really quite interesting. And I thought that it was, it's a movie everybody should watch. Um, it felt Absolutely. actually more, it felt actually more politically aware than the first one. Yeah, and and you know, I'm not going to give anything more away except you know, the end was kind of uh, nice to Jews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say yeah. any more. But yeah, so yeah. So we're going to definitely hope gong Borat because Borat was great. And then now a topic that you brought up originally and we've talked about a lot is Quibi, the uh, streamer. It was started by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. And uh, abruptly, out of nowhere, they just stopped this week. Quibi stopped. And Rohit, I'm going I'm to read you something. Because um, a uh, someone close to me was a subscriber. Here is the letter that they sent about stopping immediately. <laughs> And bring me hope to this because, I mean, I was always saying, you know, Quibi will do something. They'll figure it out, whatever. These are two founder of eBay, founder of DreamWorks. Like they're going to they're going to figure it out. Right. Here's how they ended it. (laughs) Title. Your Quibi subscription is coming to an end. Email. Like the the meat of the email. 
Thank you for watching Quibi and giving us the opportunity to entertain you. We have made the difficult decision to wind down the company, which means the service will be coming to an end in the coming weeks. Your subscription will not renew at the end of the, your current billing cycle, and you will no longer be able to access Quibi after your subscription ends. You will not be charged again. For more information on your Quibi subscription, including the last day of your current billing cycle, visit your app, store account, and select subscriptions. For other questions, see announcements section on your help page. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was not very heartfelt. Um, but here's the thing. I remember, uh, I think I'm looking back at our notes. On June 19th, Chris from Prom Palmdale wrote us an email about asking hope for Quibi. And I think when we responded to that, I think I think I said it's not even gonna it's not even going to last a year or maybe it'll last less than a year or about a year. And honestly, I loved making fun of Quibi. I loved ragging on it because I hated the name. I thought it was just myopic. I thought they launched in the wrong way. They didn't have you know all these features that people in the modern era would expect. Um, but I actually kind of feel sad for them. And it's funny, as I was looking at their downfall, reading about their downfall and reading about some of their shows, I'm like, ah, that actually sounded kind of cool. And so I'm like, whoops. And it's just, it just, you know, I think that they were just tone deaf in the way that they launched, not listening to, they were listening more to what was happening on Netflix. They were trying to make Netflix vertical. Um, and instead of just trying to learn from TikTok and Snapchat. And I think my favorite thing was like, is like, Someone was uh, in the room with somebody and they're like, oh, so tell me about Quibi. Like, what's an elevator pitch? And this very senior person at Quibi, it's like, well, it's like Netflix, but for on the go. And then the person replied, it's like, but I have the Netflix app on my phone. <laughs> and so then it's like, and then the other person was like, uh, yeah. And it's just like the hubris was their downfall before they even. But it sounds started. like you're a Quibi sympathizer, which I, which I, uh, I, I, I will not dance on someone's grave. No matter so, how much I thought they were an idiot in, in life, I will not dance on anybody's grave, including Quibi's. And I do feel that there's people losing their jobs. And it was, it was you know, someone had a dream. It was not a very well thought out dream. But yeah, it's, it's you know, rest in peace, Quibi. We hardly and, knew ye. And that, and that so the, the, the email that they sent out to me, it's like a, bad breakup email from a girl that you're like holding on for dear life in the hope that like you're going to, it's going to reward, she's going to reward you and like, it's going to work out in the end. And instead of it rewarding you, she just says goodbye. So long, no sign off, no like, and thank you so much for all your support. They said, yeah, it's thank like, you for hey, giving you us the box. opportunity to entertain you. And there was no sign off, like, like sincerely, Katzenberg and Whitman are sincerely the Quibi team. Oh, we're so great. No graciousness of the time that, that we spent together. Just goodbye. Yeah. It's like all your shits in three Tupperware containers outside my front door. Um, yes. So with a yeah. have, have fun. Good luck. Oh, I have a new boyfriend. Don't come up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that, that's our hopeless TV. And I think we found hope that, you know what? It's the people that are that are approaching business in a smart way. They're the ones surviving and the people that had the hubris to think that they could use their money and their old school influence for things that that's not going to work today. Um, now, transition to our next uh, topic or our next uh, segment, Hope in 60 Seconds. Hope in 60 Seconds. And we have nothing that we can bring to you that would be that short the day before the election. So we're going to skip that this week. Should we just get to a quick bit of fan mail? Yeah, that's uh, our last thing because Hope and 60, we couldn't do it. Our last, our fan mail, to be honest, 
all of it has been people saying awesome things and a few not nice things about uh, Tar, the movie that uh, is out now on streaming and theaters. And again, shameless plug, go to tarthemovie.com or any of your streamers to watch um, and enjoy as you distract from the election. The one message I got that was, I guess, the most meaningful was someone wrote to me that it truly brought joy at a time they were feeling so lonely. And that's the goal is we're going through tough times. It's hard to find hope. And I am just so glad and, and thank you. I, I don't want to bring up the person, the name of a person for, for divulging that, but um, the goal of this movie is you can escape for a couple hours. So thank you to everyone who's been writing me about the movie and enjoying it. And I hope it, you know, remind you that there is light at the other end where we can just be entertained and have a good time and go on a little roller coaster ride. Yeah. And just seeing my own friends who have started following you and following the show um, that you've never met. Like my friend Jeff to Georgia was uh, watching tar and he was posting that from his stories back in New York. And it was like, it was really great just to see how many people were just using it as a wonderful escape. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So yeah, those everyone and everyone I'm man, I'm so grateful. And I think secondhand row, it's grateful too. It's just, it's cool that the sh listeners of the show can also see things that, that I do or that row it does or that we talk about. So, um, uh, so thank you for that. And finally, uh, hope fulfilled, uh, election day is finally here. We've been anticipating this for ever. And so, it's finally here and that's hope in its own right in that we get to keep time is the one thing we can't stop. And so time has led us to this moment. Yeah. And you know, it's time for us all to wake up and just like, uh, just like, uh, good old buddy Joe. Yeah. Not so, so sleepy anymore. He's been pretty woke. No. When you see him on TV, his eyes are like ready. He's like, I am. I mean, the Sleepy Joe nickname is silly because the, the person who's, if anything, been more angry and sleepy has been Trump. So think of another nickname, guys, quick, because you don't have much time. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be President Joe. But Hopefully um, President Joe. So with that, we will talk to you after the election. And yes, and everybody get your drinks ready for tomorrow. No matter what happens, you're going to need them. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> but until then, Aaron, we, I'd I can't wait to recap what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody be safe. Um, go vote if you haven't already. And we will talk to you at the beginning of a new world next week, possibly. So um, until then, oh, you can find Aaron at the Aaron Wolf uh, on all the things. And Vohit for Rohit, the number four, is me on all the things. Um, until then, um, yeah, we'll catch you guys later. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless soul.